0: Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ.
1: I love the word zonk. But before we get into this, I just want to ask for your prayers. Um, Last night, uh, Catherine, after I found out I was preaching, uh, Catherine uh, had a seizure, and um, she has, uh, she takes medicine for it. It just sometimes breaks through the medication, but she's fine. She's here. She's just tired, but if you could pray for, for, for her uh, and for us, I know uh, she would appreciate it, and and I would definitely uh, appreciate that. Um, we're going to play a little game. Um, it won't be too too awful, I promise, but I want you to finish these words, or at least tell me where this phrase comes from. So uh, on the prices, Right, the, the very famous line is, come on, down. You have uh, another game show is, I'd like to buy a, Val, big bucks, no whammies. And then you have uh, Family Feud is, survey says, and then uh, one, of, one I grew up watching was, I'd like to phone a. Friend. So of all these different uh, game shows. We know what they say because they're catchy. That's why they're successful. And uh, Zonk behind me is from Let's Make a Deal. I always like watching Let's Make a Deal and because uh, it's always interesting to see either how smart or how can I, you know, how unintelligent, I mean, that's a better word, unintelligent some people are who, who play on that game. And I'll watch the game and something also like uh, the deal or no deal always gets me because I, I, I'm watching these games. And I'm thinking if I was on that game show, I would know when to take the deal. I would know when to stop. But I guess people go in there saying the same thing and that adrenaline gets running, that the promise of something better or something more is so enticing. And especially with this let's make a deal, I, I always like it, when they have the, the, three, the three doors, and they, they're uh, giving out a prize, and they say, hey, you could keep the prize you just won or pick from door one, two, or three. And uh, sometimes the, the contestant or the person in the audience says, you know, I think I'll, I'll keep the couple hundred bucks I just got. And of course, the game show host's job is to get the people to give up their money Let's just, and give up their prizes. So he goes, oh, how about this? Uh, one, two, or three, and one of them is a zong, but two of them are, are better prizes than what you have before. And I'll show you what you could have won behind door number two, the open door number two, and it'll be like a new entertainment system. He says, Now it's a 50% shot, which isn't true. It's really a little bit more than that. But he goes, I'll open, I'll give you an option to pick between one and three if you trade in your prize right now. And they get really excited because now my chances have went up. I could win a brand new car. So they're like, okay, I'll go and I'll, I'll pick door number one. And they pick door number one, and it's a zonk. It's this little, you know, fake prize, has zonk all over it, and they have to give up, they've already given up their prize, and they've won a zonk. Now, how ridiculous would it be if when the, the, the door or curtain opened and revealed the zonk, if the person just started going crazy, celebrating, getting really excited, like, yes! How ridiculous would that be? Would that Would be pretty, pretty ridiculous? That'd be, that would be absurd, and that never happens for a good reason, but sometimes we act that way. You see, God has given us the best prize ever, eternal life with him. And sometimes we trade in that promise of everlasting life for a zonk, for something that's so foolish, that's passing, that, that is meaningless, all because we think we've bought into the lie of something greater. I could have something and it be worthwhile. This is falling off me. In John 15, we read this, but let's read it one more time. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are claimed because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Sometimes we think we can do life by ourselves. Sometimes we think that our decisions, our desires, are worth more than the prize that God has offered us, but also willingly given us, and all we have to do is obey Him and grab hold of what He's offered. But sometimes we have that prize in our hands, And here comes Satan saying, you could have this instead. And we trade it over, and the zonks revealed. And even sometimes after getting that zonk, we're happy about it. Oh, I have status. I have fame. I have fortune. I have fill in the blank. Because if sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. That's why it's so tempting. That's why it's called a temptation. You know, I wish sin wasn't fun because then I would never do it. But sometimes we get super excited. So this morning, we're going to look at zonks that we trade instead of the gifts that God has given us. So the first one is God has given us the gift of love with the responsibility to show love toward others. He says, love as I have loved you, right? In John 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we have that prize of love. He's given us a free gift of love with the responsibility to say, now share my love with others. And sometimes we take that prize, we trade it in for the zonk of hatred. Now, I don't know when it happened, or maybe it's really always been this way, but we like to be negative. In class today, I said, you know, even when when things are going good, but when things are going bad, is it easier to focus on the negative or the positive? Well, the negative. Now, sometimes I think some of us enjoy being negative. We enjoy complaining. We enjoy always finding the wrong part in whatever we're doing. We like to find out one little nugget of maybe negativity, and that's all we'll focus on instead of focusing in on good things. And that even comes how we treat one another. No one's perfect, and there's, there's not one person that hasn't at one point done something where I thought, wow, that's awful. Now imagine if that's all I ever focused on I said, wow, that's awful. And that person's now a terrible person, and then I just kept thinking negative thoughts about that person to the point now where I'm starting to maybe even hate that person. We like to, to talk about being upset with someone or how we can't stand that person, because somehow it, it makes us maybe feel better, makes us feel maybe we're not as bad as that person, but that's not what love is about at all. And maybe we even disguise our hatred by using the words, well, I'm just standing for my principles, There's nothing wrong with standing for principles. There's nothing wrong with standing against sin. But sometimes we take that standing for principles and then we go beyond and say, now this person is now a terrible person because they do things we consider despicable. They might do a certain sin that we say, I would never do that. People who do fill-in-the-blank sin are bad people. Well, all sin is bad all sin is, is evil on the side of God. But sometimes we take that thought and we take the actions other people are doing, and maybe even with doing things and acting in a way and participating in activities that are not pleasing to God that we should stand against, but we go then go and it starts turning more toward hating the person. We've taken the love that we have supposed to be sharing and traded it in for hate. 1 John 4 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And then Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all often. Wow. Hatred stirs up strife. When we're more negative, what happens? Well, Negative things seem to keep happening. When, I'm, when we're positive, now some things might come in the wake as Satan will try to do things to stop progress, stop good forward motion for the kingdom. But when we're more positive, it's so much easier to keep on doing positive things. It's so much easier to, to stay encouraged, so much easier to, to build up one another. And if we love one another just as Christ loved us, Imagine what that world would look like. But instead, we kind of cash that in for hatred and then celebrate it because look how great we are. When in reality, if we just love one another, we can still stand against bad things. We can still stand against things that are, that are evil. Meanwhile, just like Jesus did, but meanwhile, encouraging others to be transformed, to look like Jesus, which kind of will take encouragement, which is our next prize God's given us. God's given us the responsibility to encourage others. In Ephesians 4, I'm sorry, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And in Romans, Paul says this one, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's how we can encourage one another. We can stand with one another When they're in the valley, we can also celebrate with one another when they're on the mountaintop. But sometimes we've traded in that gift of encouragement for the zonk of jealousy. Being jealous is is easy to do. Uh, When we start comparing ourselves to other people, maybe what they have, maybe what they're able to do, maybe the status they have, and we start becoming jealous of their successes... They're, they're jealous of their abilities, we also we do one of two things. Well, one, we, we kind of minimize the work they've done. We minimize who they are, but we also minimize the things God has given us. If we are jealous because so, so-and-so can do such-and-such, oftentimes that means we're not using the gifts and being thankful for the things God has given us, As if to say, God, I know you've given me all these things, but why didn't you make me more like that person? (laughs) We get jealous and we start, and that bleeds into that hatred for one another, but that also bleeds into how we serve and how we we respond and how we work in kingdom work, how we work in the church. But we trade that in for jealousy. In Ephesians 4, Paul said this, "'Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths.'" Let's read that again. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That's really hard. Sometimes we read that and we say, well, corrupting talk is just using foul language. Well, no, that can be gossip. That can be, you know, talking with hateful speech. That can even be in the way we talk with our jealousy and and saying maybe even out loud to God or maybe in our heads that talk saying, why? Why? am I not more like this person? Or I can't believe this person keeps having all these things happen to them. Or they keep being so successful because of fill in the blank. That hatred does lead to jealousy and jealousy does no good in our lives, but in the church, it will destroy a church. If we have bitterness and jealousy, and see, bitterness is what comes next because sometimes people will aggravate us Sometimes people will annoy us. They'll do things, they'll hurt us even. They'll do things that aren't godly. But the good news is, God's, we do the same, but the good news is God's given us that gift of forgiveness. And I know Matthew talked about forgiveness not too long ago, but it's also our responsibilities as, as we have been given forgiveness to also share God's forgiveness with others. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In Colossians 3, Paul echoed these same words by saying, We need to bear with one another. And if we have a complaint against one another, to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. So we have to love if Jesus has loved us. We have to be able to, to be able to encourage one another, but then we also have to forgive one another. And all of those are blessings that we have. Those are gifts that we've earned, prizes that not that earned that we've been given, prizes that we've been given all with the expectation that we share those prizes with others. But just like all the other prizes, sometimes we cash the gift of forgiveness in for bitterness. Paul talks about bitterness in Ephesians. In Ephesians 4, he says, "'Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice.'" He says, "'Those have no place in your lives as Christians.'" It says, but instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. There it goes again. That forgiving one another and loving one another, but after all of these, it's saying, as Christ did for you, as God has done for you. This is really important for us to understand. But unlike that TV show, when those contestants win zonks, when we get these zonks of bitterness and of jealousy and of hatred, we celebrate. We get excited. Maybe it's our stubbornness. Maybe it's our arrogance. Maybe it's just foolishness. But it, in the end, it's all sin. It's all sin that Satan has tricked us into believing that we should have these zonks because they're so great. They're greater than anything God could give us because after all, you're worth it. When we sin, we tell God, I have a better way. I know more than you. It's very prideful. (laughs) But humans are, are prideful beings. Back in the garden, the serpent tempted Eve and Adam with, God just doesn't want you to be like him. If you take this fruit, you'll be like God. He knew exactly what he was doing, playing to mankind's pridefulness. Desire for power, status, the, the, the offer of always wanting more. And that leads us to our last point, which God has offered us the prize, the gift of, of humility. Humility isn't weakness. Humility isn't a burden, but humility is really strength. In Philippians 2, we see the the ultimate example of humility, the ultimate example of what it means to actually humble yourself. See, we have a hard time humbling ourselves. But we don't deserve to be lifted up, really. So it really shouldn't be hard to humble ourselves in the sight of God, in the sight of Christ. And the person most, I should say, able, to say, I'm greater than this, would be Christ. But Christ is the one that showed true humility. In Philippians 2, we see that. in verse, Starting in verse 3, Paul said, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, we'll come back to that, but that, that phrase right there is really hard. But he says, Let each of you not look only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And here's the example. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." So Christ was equal with God. He was in heaven. He was deity. Now, he came on the earth as deity too, but in the flesh. But he was equal with God. And it says he didn't consider that something to be grasped, something to hold on to, in the sense of saying, I'm not going to let this go. I'm not going down there. Because his purpose of going down to earth was really one purpose. Well, two purposes. One was to lead by example, but the, the purpose of him coming to the earth was to go to the cross. He was equal with God. He had all that power. And now I'm going to have to go down there and be a nobody and be mistreated, persecuted, all because I'm being obedient and eventually crucified on the cross. Jesus could have said, I'm too good for that. But he humbled himself. He came to serve, not to be served. He came to forgive sins. He came to die on the cross. And then we live our lives Saying, being humble is just not my thing. Or, or maybe I'm too good to do fill in the blank. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I don't know about you, but I think I'm a, a, a pretty important person. Not always, but sometimes I feel like, you know, I, there are other people that, that, that do a whole lot less than me. I deserve a pat on the back. I've worked hard. I do fill in the blank. And sometimes there are certain people that are hard for me to say, they're more important than me. Now, there are some people that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're more important than me. I get that. But sometimes it's hard for me to look at everyone else and say, they're more important than me. In the grand scheme of things, I need to treat them more significant than myself. Jesus treated us more significant than him. He, he said, it's, it's not, I'm really here to, to serve you. I'm here to die on the cross so what? So we could live with him forever. They loved us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, loved us so much that they were willing to give up their most valuable thing, his life, so that we could live with him forever. And sometimes we take that humility that we should have and we trade it in for what I have written down as self-glorification. We like to be lifted up. We like to at least be acknowledged for the hard work we've been given. Now, some of you who are less extroverted than myself might not want to be called out in, in public, but, you, but all of us like a pat on the back. All of us at least like to be appreciated. But sometimes, appreciation and self-glorification, we blur those lines. And we start thinking that it's all about us. That it's about my preferences. It's about what I want in life. And in reality, it's about what God desires. It's about us helping others achieve what they need to achieve so they can become more like Jesus Everything we do should point to God. Everything we do should point to Jesus. In Matthew 5, Jesus said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, if we stop there, I could say, man, I'm supposed to be a light and everybody's supposed to look at me because I'm the source of light. I'm a light. Well, that's not what he was saying. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Again, if I stopped there I say, hey, so they can look at how good I am. No, it says, so they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's not about us getting glory, not about us getting the the, really the appreciation, but it's about us making sure people see Jesus. But sometimes we like our zonks. Sometimes we like to hold on to those zonks and say, look at all this cool stuff I have. And God's looking at it saying, saying, that's a pile of trash. Just like the person on TV, if they were to celebrate winning a zonk, we would all laugh. They would go viral for all the wrong reasons. So let's not celebrate our zonks. Let's celebrate the true gifts that God has given us, and let's share those gifts with the world so they can have what we have, assurance of eternal life. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and You've been celebrating zonks. You've been celebrating all these things that you shouldn't be celebrating. You've cashed in all these prizes that God has given you to say, I want these instead. Unlike let's make a deal, you can get the prizes back. All you have to do is ask. But maybe you're sitting here and you haven't accepted the Lord's offer. You haven't decided to die to self. You haven't been buried in the waters of baptism to be raised in newness of life so you can walk knowing you have eternal life. Whether you need to become a Christian or you need prayers, please come now while we stand and sing.
0: There is the from human sight If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.